This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 25th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. What drives the ballooning staff in higher education, administrators, and adjunct faculty everywhere? But where are the tenure-track professors? At a Cato Institute conference supporting the release of the Cato book, Unprofitable Schooling, the book's co-editor, Todd Zawicki, offered this take. So there's a story I've heard uh, that's credited. Uh, the story I've heard it was uh, John, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy was visiting the Vatican with Pope John the Twenty Third, and uh, Kennedy says to the Pope, uh, um, "How many people work in the Vatican?" And Pope John says, "About half." Um, uh, and and uh, and why does that story come to mind? Which is we literally we literally do not know what these people are doing. I've looked everywhere. I've tried to find out what it is. We've got theories about what is driving the growth of uh, administrative bureaucracy, but we literally do not know who they are, why it has grown so much, um, and whether or not it's act- whether or not it actually makes sense. Right. Um, that is an important research agenda, I think, for somebody if they were interested in tackling, which is to try to find out who these people are, what are they doing. What we know is that there's a lot of them and that they're very highly paid. I think of it in terms of there's, you know, I'm a law professor, so I'm allowed to tell uh, lawyer jokes, right? Uh, but there's this old joke that one lawyer in a town will, will starve, two lawyers in a town will thrive, right? Um, and that's kind of the way my impression is of academic bureaucracy is one academic bureaucrat works, two hold meetings, and then hire a third to actually do the work. Um, and so there's a sense in which they seem to be kind of creating make work uh, uh, for themselves, but we really don't, uh, we really don't know. Um, and so what I'm interested in this then is um, why is this happening? Why, if so much money is being siphoned off to these academic bureaucrats, why are the faculty putting up with this? Why are faculty and everybody else putting up with more and more money going um, out of the classroom um, and things that resemble education uh, to whatever these people are doing, which we're not exactly sure uh, what they are? More than that, what really impressed me on the urgency of this is more and more of what we think of what faculty should be doing and core governance um, issues um, is being yielded to, uh, to, to these bureaucrats. A good example is speech codes. Um, and uh, um, most people think that speech codes, right, uh, that, that, fa- uh, that universities have, and almost every university has one, people generally think, oh, it's those crazy, uh, you know, those crazy communist professors. It's not. It's some minion in the, the student life office, right? It's some person who nobody knows who they are, right, who does not come from an educa- you know, from, a, from a scholarly background, right? But they're basically there to, like, make life good for kids, right? I experienced this uh, it, uh, when I tried to get George Mason's speech code uh, repealed. We had a yellow light rating from fire. Um, I wrote about this experience for the, what was the Pope Center, now the Martin Center, uh, an article entitled, Meet the Mid-Level Bureaucrats Who Control Speech on Campus, right? And what I discovered was the faculty had nothing to do with George Mason's speech code. It was somebody in the student life office, uh, the vice president of student life uh, controlled it. They put it in, they took it out. Right? It took five years to finally get him to do it. No other faculty were involved. There were no faculty resolutions. There was no faculty decision to adopt speech codes. Right? If academic freedom and free speech is not a core uh, aspect of faculty governance, I don't know what is. But I don't think George Mason is uh, atypical in that. Right? I think these speech codes just appear 
out of the, the, the bureaucracy. Um, and a lot of other things, I think, have that aspect where uh, the faculty are losing a lot of their core uh, um, uh, functions. So what are the explanations? Um, one explanation by Green and others we talk about in the, um, in the, uh, in, in the chapter. Um, and my chapter is co-authored with Chris Koopman, um, uh, who was a, uh, a student of mine and is now um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a think tank. He was also a Henry Manny uh, a student as well. Um, Chris, uh, uh, and, and so we wrote this together. One is that, um, that it's just a tower that has arisen separate from what the rest of the university does. This may be because federal funding comes with so many strings uh, that you basically have to have bureaucrats to administer all that, to push the paperwork around, to basically handle all that sort of stuff. It may be that that, that money is just something that's not accessible to the faculty, and so bureaucrats just kind of take it, they do with it what they do, uh, all this federal funding and that sort of thing. That's one possibility. I suspect that probably explains some of the growth in academic bureaucracy, but I'd be surprised if it did uh, all of it. The second theory is just, uh, I call colleges as country clubs, right, which is that we get more and more administrators and bureaucrats because parents and students are willing to pay for them, right? That they want the things that these people do, whatever they are, right? Consumption amenities, right? Uh, um, in terms of student services and organizing parties and uh, um, you know, all the various different sorts of things um, uh, that, they, uh, uh, that, 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 that they do, right? This seems to be the reason why buildings have become so lavish, right? Is Parents and students want fancy buildings, all right? Um, you know, I, my kind of joke that I think if, you know, Rich said uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, he was going to pass a new law last thing. I, you know, one law I would consider uh, supporting would be when you take a college tour, you're not allowed to, when you go to a college, you're not allowed to take a campus tour, all right? Because where do they take you when you go on a campus tour? They take you to the fancy uh, uh, students' uh, rec center and the gym, right, and the cafeteria. Well, we used to be a cafeteria and is now a food court, right? A lot of this is the same sort of thing, right? Maybe that people are paying for just a lot of bread and circuses and entertainment, and they're willing to pay for it, the fact that they're doing it. My view is, um, and this is an article, uh, I wrote an article a few years ago on institutional review boards, uh, where I first put this out and I develop here. A third alternative is basically um, building on uh, William Niskanen's model of government bureaucracy, that nonprofit bureaucracy kind of takes on a life of its own. Uh, that, that, uh, that bureaucrats are basically empire builders uh, in a world in which profit and loss signals um, are absent. Um, Bureaucrats within universities tend to just want to build their empires to have more people work for them because that gives them promotions, more money, more perks, uh, and all those uh, and all those sorts of uh, sorts of things. Um, so another minute or two, and then I'll uh, um, uh, I'll close. Right, which is so one question, and I'll be interested in hearing uh, Professor Ginsburg's view on this. Is why don't the faculty push back? Right, why have the faculty allowed this? And I think one reason is the faculty have embraced some of it which is maybe not speech codes, but a lot of the things that bureaucrats do now are things that faculty used to do. Course counseling, career counseling, things like that are things that faculty used to do, didn't really want to do. Um, and what we have now is sort of, uh, for permanent faculty, they're, they're, they, we've kind of created a guild, right? As I said, there's fewer and fewer of us. We work less, we get paid more than ever before. Um, and as long as you don't touch our salaries and perquisites, we're perfectly happy to, uh, um, to have the classes taught by, uh, um, by adjuncts 
in, in the like, right? And offload the things that we don't really want to do. And so maybe that it's not actually taken from the faculty, but that we've given a lot of this uh, to, the, to the bureaucracy. I think a second thing is collective action and monitoring costs, uh, which is it takes guts for a faculty member to stand up to the administrators. Tenure protects you, but only protects you a little. Right? An administrator can really make your life unpleasant if you try to get crossways with them, if you try to get access to the budget, if you try to find out where money's being spent uh, in, that, uh, in, in that sort of thing. Third, administrators have information asymmetries. Right? They simply have more information. They can stonewall you uh, if you wanted to get the information. They can make their reports incomprehensible uh, and, the, uh, uh, and the like. And so, um, and so I think that the challenge of reigning in bureaucratic growth is actually quite an interesting uh, and difficult challenge, that there's reasons why it has happened, although we don't fully understand it, and there's reasons why faculty um, have kind of yielded it to, um, to uh, um, uh, yield, yielded that. And with that, I will sit down and um, yield the podium. Todd Zawicki is co-editor of the new Cato book, Unprofitable Schooling. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Cato Podcast.